Good morning, everyone. I'm Rachel, and this is my husband. I'm Jacob. I request you all to stand for the reading of God's word. The scripture reading for this morning is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verses 1 to 18. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Lord, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering in one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a, hold on the, do, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Here ends the reading. Lord, are we going to pray? I'm going to pray in my mother's tongue, which is Tamil. Tamil. ஒன்றுக்குரியமாண்டோரேத்தில்ிதாவேன் Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to and have had over this series to get a glimpse of who you are, to experience you, because God, you have been at work in our midst. You have been calling some. You've been working in other ways in other lives. For some of us, we stand at a crossroads today. 
we stand at that place, a crisis of belief that will require faith and action on our part. It will require major adjustments in our lives. And God, I pray that you would not give us a moment's rest, that, that God, we would obey you and experience you. Precious Holy Spirit, I just pray for our hearts to be quiet. And I pray that, God, you would speak into each heart in such a way that we don't miss it. I just pray also in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ against the power of the evil one who would seek to keep us blind, deaf, our hearts hardened, and so much going on in our lives that we have no place for you. In the powerful name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bind you. This is your time, precious Father. Come and flood this place with your presence. Speak your word to the glory and to the glory of your name alone. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I was a kid in, in the States, um, those of you who are from the, the States would know this. They would have every once in a while, you're watching TV, and on would come this, this terrible noise. It would go, ah, ah, ah. And, there, and a screen would come up, and it would say, this is only a test. And then it would say, this is a test of the National Broadcast or the National Weather Service. And if this were an emergency, this would come on. And we heard this numerous times, especially when we lived in the northern part of the United States. We'd have terrible thunderstorms in the middle of the night. And these would come on the radio or they would come on the television set. And it would say, you need to proceed to shelter because there's a terrible storm coming to your area. We were, we were alerted to the test. And some tests come in that way. Others come like this. When we moved from Montana, the western part of the United States, back to Minnesota, the northern part, the, almost to Canada, I, I had to take, I thought, well, I'm just going to get my Minnesota driver's license and it'll be no problem. And they said, oh, you need to take the written test. So I give me this book of stuff that, that I'm supposed to learn. And I, I study, I study, I study this test. Back at the same time, she has to do the very same thing. The kids are swimming and she's kind of, perusing over, over the book, not, not, very, not studying at all. So I'm studying. And so I go down to take the test, and all of a sudden the screen goes black. And I said, hey, the screen went black here while I was trying to take the test. And the lady behind the counter says, that's because you failed. I was like, I, I, I study this. Becca goes and takes the very same test, having hardly studied at all, and she passes the test. It's like, this is not fair. Sometimes in the world, there are those tests that come. Each one of my boys, they take after their mother. They're good swimmers, and they were, they were all lifeguards, but they had to take a very specific test to be able to pass and to be able to be a lifeguard. There was a test that they had to take. Some tests come in those ways. But I really believe with all my heart that we go through many tests every single day in our lives. Some some we know that this is what's coming up and this is a test because we're walking through it. Others come and they, they hit us up beside the head. I think with, with, with Abraham, as we read today, his day started out just like any other day. But this would be a life-changing moment for, for Abraham. He's well over 100 years old. He could be 120 at least by this time. We don't know. We're not given that. But we know already, pri- previous this time, that Abraham has been given three tests that we know of. The first involved going down to Egypt. And when he went down to Egypt, what did he do? He lied about his wife. She, she's my sister. Was she really? Well, kind of, yeah, she was his sister, but not really. But to save his skin, he lied about it. 
Then another time he lies, and his wife gets taken into another harem. Then he tries to solve the problem along with his wife of the problem of, of, of ancestors. Three different occasions. But then something happens. God comes to him and says, you're going to have a son. At 100 years of age, and Sarah is 90, 90 years of age, God gives them a son. After this, we don't see him failing any tests. But something happens now, now in Abraham's life. God comes to him. And as we are going to learn the seventh reality of knowing God, you come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. Sometimes the things that God is going to ask of us or has asked of us are just downright hard. And we don't know whether or not we will do what it is. But he's just like, God, you can't be serious in what it is that you're asking. And this is one of those cases today. Abraham had a relationship. Remember, we have talked over these last many weeks that God is the one who is at work in our lives. God is always at work in our life. God pursues us to have a relationship. God invites us to join him in what it is that he's doing. But when God makes that invitation, like we said, it is always within the context of relationship. That's why we said that your relationship with God, if your relationship with God, if you are struggling to hear the voice of God, you need to stop what it is that you are doing and ask God, God, why is it that I'm struggling to hear your voice? Where did I get off the path? Because God didn't move. We were the ones who moved. And it is in the midst of relationship that God that God speaks to us, and that God works in our lives. And Abraham has been in a relationship with God for more than 25 years. Remember, he is 75 years old when he leaves where he's at, when he leaves Ur of the Chaldees, when he leaves Haran. He is 75 years old. He's 100 years old when God finally answers the promise to give him a son. And now this is after that time. And God comes to Abraham. We know it's a test. Look at this is verse 1. And we know it's a test. Let me get this straightened out here. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. We know it's a test. We know, that, you know, we know what's going to come up. We know that God's going to provide the ram. But Abraham doesn't have a clue. And it says sometime later, God, God tested Abraham. This is hard. Because Abraham, it says to Abraham... Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. Then God said, this is where a little knowledge of the Hebrew is really good. This is a powerful line. Because when it says, sometime later God tested Abraham, he said to him, Abraham, here I am. In verse 2, they put the definite article. I'm going to geek you out here for just a second. In verse 2, they put the definite article before God. Then the God said... God, remember we talked about when God speaks? He speaks to reveal himself. God here is revealing himself to Abraham. And he says, take your son. When he he says that, that little word take, you can tell that there is a relationship between Abraham and God. Why do I say that? Because here again, that word take, they put something. There's a a little thing that they put on the end of the word in Hebrew that, that makes it out to be please. So when he says to Abraham, he says, Abraham, please, please take, please take your son. And he says, take your son. And the way that it's written in the Hebrew is, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. 
That's all he says. He says, go to the region there. And he says, and then what? And offer him up as a sacrifice. Bless you. I don't know about you. There have been days that my kids have just drove me to just, they're just, it's like, you kids, what are you doing? And now we're a long ways away from them and, and we don't go through those days and it's like, I wish we did have a little bit more contact with the kids again. But I know that parents in this room, there are those days when it's just like you want to wring your kids' necks. But I don't think we would ever come to that place of where we would sacrifice our child. And God is saying to him, Abraham, take your son, please. Take your son, your only son, the one you love, Isaac, and sacrifice him. And you know, there's a point in in me that wants to say, God, God, how? How could you ask this? How could you ask this of of your dear friend? How could you do that? Anybody else there this morning in what's going on with your life? And you think, God, God, why? God, how could you do this? Dear friend of ours in, in Minnesota, dear, dear friend, when we, when we first became pastor of the church, uh, we met her mother. And her mother, we met her out, they, they had a lake home, and we met her out at, at the lake home, and um, we talked with her a few times, and then heard that her mother was in the first stages of Alzheimer's. And they put her, in, put her into a home, and she digressed and digressed and digressed. And every, every Sunday, she would go up there most several times a week, if not every day. She would go up to visit her mother, and her mother didn't recognize who she was. And she would, just, she, she would talk to her mother, and, and you almost want to say, God, God, why? How, how, how could you do that? When I was in seminary, we had to watch... Uh, uh, one of the, for one of the classes, we had to watch the movie The Notebook, uh, Nicholas Sparks, and there's some not-so-good parts in there. But I was watching the movie. I was watching it with Becca, and I was crying. And she's like, why are you crying? And I said, because I can't imagine you not recognizing who I am. And some of you know what that's like. You're walking through a time and, and where with, with your health or the health of a loved one or someone's in the midst of something, a child, and you say, God, how? How is it that you could allow that? Why is it that you're doing that? And how is it that Abraham can then turn around and do what he's going to do? How could he be obedient to God in that situation? And I think here in lies the crux Because Abraham is in a relationship with God. And I really believe that Abraham had long ago solved the issue of the love of God for him. And sometimes we can say, God, why? God, how is it that you can do this? God, why don't you? And we forget about the the fact that God deeply loves us. In whatever it is that you're walking through right now, whatever it is that God may be calling you to, Because does God call us to make sacrifices? We learned in our Sunday school class, Abraham had to make all kinds of sacrifices. Does God ever call his children to make sacrifices? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And the test that God gives you, it may not be take your son and sacrifice your son. But the test may come. The test may come with your job. Where you work. And you get up, and I've heard people say this before, you get up and go to work, and I hate my job. I absolutely hate my job. My boss is a tyrant. 
the people that I work, they're just nothing but backstabbers. All they do is gossip about everybody. I, I hate my job. And God would be testing us to see, will you thank me? Will you thank me that you have a job? Will you look to see what it is that I am doing in the midst of where it is that you are at? Because sometimes in the midst of, the, sometimes in the midst of what it is that we're walking through, God is saying, will you thank me? In other areas, God may be saying, will you honor me? Will you serve me in such a way? Will you walk in a righteous way? One of the pastors that Beck and I listened to on Monday from, he's a guy by the name of um, Jeff Mannion. He's the pastor at Ada Bible Church, and he's working through First Corinthians, and working through especially First Corinthians chapter 13. And, and he has this crazy bookmark, and he says, you're supposed to put it everywhere. Well, my wife took him seriously. It's by the toothbrush. It's where I pull out the pan in the morning to make my fried eggs. It's everywhere. But it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And that one about being patient. I, I, you know, the other is okay. But the one about being patient, love is patient. Anybody else struggle with being patient? Struggling with, you know, getting on and off of the MTR in the morning. You're trying to get off the MTR and you've got people coming in at you and how do you be patient in a situation like that? Are there times, are there things that God brings into our life and says, will you, will you live in such a way that I am seen in you? And sometimes those tests come in the form of our children. That 14-year-old pretty daughter that all of a sudden she's saying, I hate you and I want nothing to do with you. That son who you loved him with all of your heart and he's walking away from the Lord. God, why? God, how is it that you can do that? And one of those things that we need to settle in our heart is that God deeply loves you. And that God is at work, not only in your children's life, not only in your family's life, but he's also at work in your life. Because why does God give tests? God gives tests to help us to see what's in our heart. To help us to see what's in our heart. Abraham you know, he is called to do this. And look at what happens. Look at the very next thing that he does in verse 3. Let me get that here. Genesis chapter 20, or 22, verse 3. Abraham is told, go and sacrifice your son. In verse 3, what does it say? Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey, and he took with him his two servants and his son Isaac. And when he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out to the place that God had told him about. Now, Hebrew is one of these languages that tries to say as much as possible with as few words as possible. So when it slows down to tell you a lot of details, here's, this, here's a brother, he's out there, and he, he's cutting the wood, he's saddling the donkeys, he's doing all, it's slowing down purposely. We're not told what's going on in Abraham's heart. Imagine, put yourself in that place. How would you feel? We're, we're not told any of that. But it slows down. It, the, the situation here slows down. Abraham's response to God's command was what? It was obedience. That's your number three. Abraham's response to God's command was obedience. How? How is it that he could do that? We're given a picture of how it is that he could do that. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19, it says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Watch this. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 
Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Romans 4, 20-21 says this, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what it was that he promised. Abraham believed. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get how he goes, goes and does this. But Abraham went there fully believing. God had given him a promise. God had given him a promise. Remember that? When Abraham, back in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham is worried about the fact that Eliezer, one of his servants, is going to be the one that's going to inherit all that he has. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not the way it's going to be. He says, go out here and look at the stars. Go out here and look at the stars. And he says, if you look at the stars and you see the stars... That's how many your descendants will be. And God makes a covenant with him as well. A covenant means literally, the word is karat, and it means to literally to cut in half. And so the animals would have been cut in half, and when two people made a covenant, they would cut the animals in half, one side over here and one side over here. And the people who were making the covenant would walk between them. But do you notice what happens in chapter 15? God puts Abraham to sleep. And God is the one who walks through the middle of those animals. And God makes that covenant with Abraham. He makes that promise with Abraham. I will provide. The descendants will come out of your loins. Will come, out, come from Sarah. He made that promise. And Abraham believed that promise. As hard as what it is, he believed that promise. And the response of Abraham... One of the things that God is wanting to do in and through us and through this series is to develop in our lives where we have faith. That when God asks us to do something, while we may not understand it, we can believe that God is a God who keeps his promise. Now watch Abraham's responses. In verse 5, it said, On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkeys while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Here's, here's the second little geek thing I'm going to do for you. There's, there's a way of writing and doing a verb in Hebrew when they want to soften it. When they want to soften it. And there are three of them in here. I'm not going to go into detail where they are. But Abraham's response to his servants is a very soft response. Stay here. Stay here with the donkeys while I and the boy go over there. I think it's coming from his heart. I think about what it is that's going on in Abraham's heart at this time. But did you notice his response? You see the faith in this response? He says, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. I don't think Abraham has a clue as to how this is going to happen, but he absolutely believes that God is going to provide. And in the midst of the things that God is calling, that's why that that sheet of paper, I pray that you fill it out. Because for some of you, you are at that place, that crisis of belief that requires faith and action on your part. And it's a place where you will have to make major adjustments to join God in what it is that He is doing. You are at that place. You don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know how you're going to provide for your family. You don't know what's going to happen with your children. But you know that God is calling. Abraham's response has revealed a deep faith in the promises of God. There's another response. We find it coming up in verse 6 and 7. Abraham took the knife. Every time I read this, 
Abram took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. This week, as we read it in staff meeting, we read this passive scripture in, in staff meeting. One of the people in staff meeting said, so what did they talk about? Over the three days and even on this trip up to the mountain, what, what did they talk about? And he has the knife and he has the wood. And Isaac spoke up in verse 7 and said to his father, Abraham, Father. And he says, yes, my son. The fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? This is huge. This is huge. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And if you will, God himself will be the lamb. Because he will be the lamb. He will ultimately be the Lamb of God. Remember, John the Baptist says of Jesus when he sees him in John chapter 1, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God will himself will provide the Lamb. He still didn't know how it was going to happen, but he was willing to go through whatever it was that God had called him to do. And Abraham, it says here in, verse, in, in the latter part of verse 10, he bound his son Isaac... And laid him on the altar. We don't know how old Isaac was. He probably wasn't a toddler. Um, Some people place him anywhere between 6 and 15 years old. He could have been older than that. We don't know. It's his son for Pete's sake. And that Isaac would allow himself to be bound and placed on the altar. And it says in verse 10, Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. This is pre-incarnate Christ. Abraham, Abraham. I think those were the best words that Abraham had heard all day. And he says to him, he says, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. There was the test. Abraham had waited a hundred years for this son. Can you imagine the joy that was Abraham? When when we first have our our, our children, how deeply we love them. I think Isaac was pretty close and hung around his father quite a bit. This is a son of 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 his old age. And now God says, who do you love more? Do you love Isaac more? You've shown me today that you love me more than your son. What does God require of us? What does God ask of us? What is the sacrifice that God asks of us? God asks for everything. He asks, should we give him everything? Is he worthy of everything? Absolutely he is. I pray in your hearts and what it is that God is speaking to you about that you not withhold, that you not hold back. Abraham experienced God in a way that he never would have. Abraham experienced God in a way that he never would have because as Abraham looks up, what does he see when God says, Abraham, don't, don't lay a hand at him. And the next thing he hears is maybe some rustling around in the, in the branches right next to him. And here is a ram. His horns are stuck in there. And Abraham, when he says, God himself will provide... That word for provide, this is one of the names of God. Jehovah Rapha. That word literally means God will see to it. And here God saw to it. 
And it says, on that mountain he will be called, the Lord will provide. The Lord will see to it. The promises of God, it says in Scripture, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. When God makes a promise, God had made a promise that Isaac, it would be through Isaac, that that all the nations would come. And when he does what it is that God asks him to do, hold on here, folks. If you're falling asleep, this is a really important point. When he does what it is that God called him to do, he experienced God in a way he never would have. Why does God bring tests into our lives? Many times it's to reveal our own hearts, but also there is something that God wants us to know about him that we would never have learned had we not walked through this time. Mary and Martha, you've heard me say this before, when they make the call to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick, figuring that Jesus would drop everything to go and to be with Lazarus, say a few words over him, and Lazarus would be raised up and he'd be healthy again. But one day goes by, and two days goes by, and Lazarus dies. And it's four days after Lazarus is dead that Jesus shows up on the scene. Four days! And you almost want to say, what in the world is up with this? I thought you loved us. And Martha comes out. You know that relative, you know that aunt that will speak her mind and tell you exactly what she thinks about you. Martha came out and she had a word for Jesus. Oh, I'll bet she did. And she said, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, he will live again. He will live again. And she says, yes, yes, at at the end of time, yes, he will live again. No, no, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. And Mary at that, and Martha at that point is a little chagrined. And Mary walks on the scene and she said, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus has shown me where he is. The lesson was not just for Mary and Martha, but it was also for the disciples. And when Jesus speaks, Lazarus, come forth. They experienced something of Christ that they never would have experienced had they not walked through that time. And there are times where you say, Lord, you can give somebody else a test. But settle in your heart that God loves you. And because God loves you, he may bring he may bring you through a season, through a difficult time, because there's something about him that he wants you to experience that you would never be able to had you not walked through that time. They both experienced God in a way that they never would have. And I think about in our lives, some of the tests that God brings our way. For some of you, it's your job. And you would say, you know, as I was saying, I, I hate my job. You're like, oh, that is, that, that's me. I, I hate the place where I'm at. I don't care to work there. I go there because I have to get my paycheck. My pension is with that place. But I really, really, really don't like working there. How is it that you experience God when you are obedient and when you honor God in that place? God many times shows you something, something about that place Maybe it is in that place that God has placed you because there is somebody there that needs to hear about Christ. Some of us, we walk through times of testing financially. And that's financially both with lots or without. And we come to know Christ in a way that we would, and we come to see him as the Lord will provide. You ever been there and walked through times like that where, where you didn't know where the next thing was going to come from? I remember when we were, when we were first married, we had uh, moved from where we were in the Sacramento, California area up to Redding, uh, where Becca was going to school. And 
we had had our, our car insurance through State Farm, through, through another company. And we had changed uh, insurance carriers when we moved to Reading. And we didn't, you know, we didn't think anything of it. And one day, we received a, a bill or received a, a letter in the mail. And I, and I looked at it and thought, oh, great. I mean, we were walking through a really tough financial time. We didn't have much to start with. And we get this thing, and it's like, oh, great, a bill from State Farm. And I threw it on the, on the table, and Becca said, we, we, we don't have State Farm as our insurance anymore. So she opened it up, and we were walking through a very difficult time financially. And what we needed, to, to, uh, what we needed at that time was $700. Where $700 was going to come from, who knows? And we get open this, and Becca opens this, this envelope from State Farm, Turns out we had overpaid our insurance when we had them to the tune of $700. Did we come to know God in a way that we never would have? I don't know about you. I hate going through financial times. But it is often in those financial times that God reveals who he is. I am the Lord who will see to it. For some of you, he is looking to be, I am the Lord, your healer. Some of us are walking through, through times today, physically, as we have had the communion part of our communion time, as well as if you are, if you are sick, the scriptures call upon us to, if you are sick, that you're to call upon the elders of the church and be anointed with oil and to be prayed for. For some of you, God has brought you through a time of testing to show you that I am the Lord who heals you. For some of you, you've prayed. And you've been anointed with oil. And nothing's happened. That doesn't mean that God isn't at work in your life. It doesn't. He is the God who watches over you. He is the God who protects you. For some of you, you're needing wisdom. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our protector. He is our guide. We don't come to know God, though, when we sit on the sidelines. What is it that God is asking of you? We've spent seven weeks looking at at God. We know that God is always at work around us. Have you been seeing where God is at work around you? It's it's my prayer. And, And folks, where this ends is not with this sermon. As a church, we are laying the groundwork for a vision of how it is that we move forward as a church. That we have eyes to see where it is that God is at work around us. And we know the second thing is that God pursues us to have a relationship with us. How are you doing there with that? God pursues you to have a relationship with you. Have you been holding him off at arm's length? Or have you been in these last days, been using this as an opportunity to get to know God in an even greater way? That's my deepest prayer for you, is that we would come to know God in a way that we never would have. God pursues you to have a relationship. God invites you to join him in what it is that he's doing. Has God shown you where it is that he's at work? We just saw this morning something about prison ministry. Is God at work there in a very powerful way? Remember, whenever God shows you what it is that he's doing, that's his invitation for you to join him in what he is already doing. Is he at work there in the prison ministry? Absolutely he is. Is God calling some of us to join him in what it is that he's doing? I honestly believe he is. It is not a coincidence that they're here today. We've heard about what's been going on in the Philippines. You're going to hear in a few weeks from Sut and Sina 
what's going on in northwest Cambodia. Blowing the doors off. And whenever God reveals to us what it is that he's doing, that's his invitation. God speaks. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through his word to reveal himself, his his circumstances, and his plans. God reveals himself. Have you been hearing what it is that God has been saying to you as you open the word? Remember, move slowly. Move slowly as you work through the word. How is it that God is revealing himself to you? And we know as well that when, when God makes that invitation, it's going to cause a crisis of belief. A crisis of belief that will require faith and action on our part. Do we believe that it is God who's spoken to us? Then we need to move in faith and action to respond to what it is that God is saying. Remember how we have talked about if we have an obedience problem, or if we have a problem doing what it is that God is asking us to do, it's not an obedience problem. It is a love problem. Because God, in the midst of relationship, invites us. To join God in what he's doing will will oftentimes require major adjustments. Major adjustments in your life, major adjustments in the things that you're doing, maybe even a major adjustment in where you're living. And the last one, we come to experience God as we obey him. And he does does his will in and through us. Did Abraham come to experience God in a way that he never would have? And you know what? This is scary, folks. Especially for the few of us that got a little more tinsel in our hair than others. Um, Abraham's a hundred and something years old. And God is still testing him. It doesn't mean we, we reach that place in our life where God just stops working in our lives. God is continually at work in our lives. And what I would encourage you to say to God is say yes. Say, God, what is it that you desire? God, even as Mary said, and with this I'm done, let it be unto me as you've said, I am your servant. I am your servant. You'll be hearing a lot more as we go into sermons. The next series we'll be starting up is in Jonah. And we'll be looking at all, all we'll be looking at the book of Jonah, but looking at it really through these eyes and through these lenses, these seven realities of knowing God. So how's God at work? You have that little piece of paper. I don't know if you've taken the, the time to fill that out. I do say this. If you put a prayer request on there and your name is on there, which I hope that it is, somebody will pray for that. We will work through every single one of those prayer requests as under-shepherds, as, as staff. We'll work through every single one of those to pray for you. Don't think that I put that down and and it just goes someplace else. We'll pray for that. But we'd also like to see where it is that God is at work. What is it that he's saying to you? Because remember, when God speaks, he speaks to the church and not just to us individually. Amen? Amen. All right. As we finish the sermon, I'm going to ask you to do something that I hope is not a major faux pas orientally or among Indians. I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to ask you to lock your arm with the person next to you. So, ladies, cross the, cross the aisle, cross the aisle. Just, you can cross arms, whatever.
You are the body of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. You are the church. And do you see when we are the church, when we are connected like this, we are the church. And this is the, this is the church. These are the people that God is wanting to work in and through to do what it is that He's wanting to do here in Hong Kong. He has placed you here. He has not placed you here by coincidence because He longs to work in and through Alliance International Church to further His kingdom. So would you join me in prayer as we, as we pray and as we say to God, God, what is it that you want next of Alliance International Church? Father in heaven, we thank you. And God, I thank you for this precious, precious body of believers. Lord, it is not a coincidence that from the four corners of the world you have brought us together. You are the God who speaks all of our languages. You knew exactly what Jacob said when he prayed this morning. And God, you are a God who is calling not only individuals, but you are calling churches as well. You have placed us here. You have placed us together for a reason. And God, I just pray that you'd make that very, very clear. God, I pray for the protection of your mighty hands over us. I pray the protection of the blood of Christ over each one, over marriages, over homes, over relationships with children, over relationships with others within this church. God, knit us together. Jesus, you said, may they be one, Father, even as we are one. God, that's your will for us. And I pray that, God, we would be one. And I pray that, God, in the midst of whatever it is that you have us walking through, those tests in our lives, whether it's financially, with our job, with our health, with relationships, whatever it might be, God, that you would work in a precious way to reveal yourself to us in a way that we never would have seen. And God, would you bring people in. I pray as a church we would be so excited about what it is that you're doing here that we wouldn't keep it to ourselves. Lord, there is a lot of room for growth physically in this place. And Lord, there are so many out there that need to hear your voice. Would you bring the light to this area? Would you, God, use us in a powerful way to the glory and to the honor of your holy name, we prayed, Father. Amen, amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Have a great one.